Amen. Well, my friend, uh, and, and many of you may not know, but Pastor Chuck and Mary Ann and even Charles Jr. and I go back <clears throat> many, many years, many, many years, okay, of ministry together. And uh, I've watched his character, watched their integrity, watched their heart for the Lord. We've seen others come and others go. But I tell you, I'm telling you, when you're rooted and grounded in, in, in the integrity of the Lord, you will stand, okay? You will stand. You will just continue to continue. So I praise God for what he's doing in your life and in your ministry. And of course, uh, as you well know, that I, I feel like I'm a part of you always, okay? This is, this is a lifelong friendship, and uh, there's nothing you can do about it, okay? <laughs> so praise God. So um, my friend, Pastor Chuck, asked me to um, share from a specific topic uh, today. And uh, uh, I am um, always willing to uh, uh, meet those kinds of challenges in the Word. And it's, it's been a really a good one. But uh, the uh, topic that he's asked me to cover in this month of, uh, of, of restating your mission and and, re, and um, just reviving this church is uh, adopting people into the family of God through love, service, and sacrifice, okay? So let's just bow our heads and pray for a moment. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless you and I praise you and I thank you. Lord, you're worthy of the praise, the honor, and the glory, God. There is none like you. We exalt you. We magnify you. We salute you, Lord, because you're worthy of the praise. You're worthy of the honor. You're worthy of the glory. God, you've done so much for us, Father. You put us on your wake-up list this morning, Father. You, you gave us a life pass, Father. You've given us the activity of our limbs, Father. Oh, God, I thank you, Lord, right now that I know my name, Father, this morning. I woke up knowing my own name, Father, knowing my husband's name. Father, oh, God, you're so good. I, I thank you, Lord, for even all the unseen gifts, Lord, that you manifest to us daily, Father. Lord, you sent the rain to cleanse this our, our, our earth, Father, and to cause it to be fruitful again, Father. And I thank you for that, Father. There's just so much to be thankful for. I thank you, Lord, that we are not uh, uh, in a situation where there's a famine in the land, Father. Oh, God, we thank you for fresh food. Lord, we walk into our grocery stores, Father, and see abundance of grapes, oranges, apples, and all kinds of meats and dairy, Father, right now. just as, And then you just, uh, I pray that when we get to the checkout stand, that when we speak in tongues, that our cars go through, Father, and we're able to pay for that which we want to purchase, Father. We pray especially for the people of Venezuela um, today, Lord, who just uh, are under such heavy persecution, Father, and uh, without food. We pray, Father, that those borders will open, Lord, and the food and medical supplies, Lord, that the United States is trying to send into Venezuela, God, that those borders will open. I want you to agree with me right now, right now, that those borders are going to open and those foods and supplies are going to reach the people of Venezuela in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, <clears throat> hallelujah. Adoption. Adopting people. Adopting people. It, that's a very, very interesting concept. Romans 8.15. Just look at, look at that with me. And that, that kind of was not really part of my message, but as I was sitting on the parking lot, uh, it came to me, uh, Romans 8.15. Uh, and, and as you're looking at 8.15, I want you to also look at Galatians 4 and 6. 
Romans 8.15, and Galatians 4 and 6. So uh, 8.15 says, uh, um, For you have not received a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship, or in many Bibles will say adoption. You are adopted. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And over in uh, uh, Ephesians 4 and 6, it says this. Ephesians 4 and 6. I'm sorry, Galatians 4 and 6. I'll get it together in a minute. Just give me a minute. Okay, I promise to get it together. 4 and 6 says... um, Because you are sons of God, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your heart, the spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. Uh, And so I I was reading um, a book by um, uh, uh, Andrew Murray, and he writes a lot of books on prayer. And Andrew Murray was pointing to the fact, it says that now that we are sons of God in Romans, that we cry, Abba, Father, meaning that now we have been adopted into the family and we now cry, Abba, Father. We have the right and the privilege of referring God not to something in the sky, but he's now Daddy God. He's Abba, Abba, a Hebrew word meaning Father, okay? And then over in Galatians, it says this. It says the Spirit cries out on our behalf, Abba, Father. So it's not just us crying out, Abba, Father, but it says that the Spirit of Christ, okay, that is work in us, also cries out for us. He says, come on, come on. You know, like when you're teaching your children how to walk, you know, when they're babies, you know, and you say, come on, come on, you can do it. It says that his Spirit is working in our spirit and really pushing us and nudging us and giving us that, that, that unction to cry, Abba, Father, to understand and connect that we are connected to God, that we are family. Yeah. I remember so many times as a, as a, as a like, a, like Pastor Chuck was saying, he brought that to my, my memory, that when I was younger, um, that, you know, they used to call my house, they used to call it Hotel Garrison, okay? And that was because the lights were always on. There was always somebody home, and the door was never locked, okay? You'd come to our house anytime. Somebody would always be there. And when any time anybody did not have a place to stay, and then my mother was a nurse, and she would have probably been in prison if, uh, if she lived during this era. But back then, she had all kind of drugs and narcotics and Band-Aids and everything. And anybody that got sick in the neighborhood, they never went to the hospital. They would come to our house, okay? And my mother would have penicillin. She would have, you know, and uh, her, her, the doctor that she worked for, uh, would just give her all the samples, you know, uh, that would come in from the pharmaceutical companies, and she would keep them, you know, and uh, give them to people. I mean, I'm 
remember dogs getting hit by a car and they bring them to my mother's house. The dog got hit by a car. Miss Barbara, please, you know, take care of this dog. You know, she would put a splint on, wrap the dog, you know, and, uh, uh, but that's the kind of house that I grew up in. But for all of the cousins and strays and uh, that would come in, and I, I, that was the era before foster care where you took, you know, if people, if people just need a place to go, somebody would just open a door. We didn't need a system, you understand what I'm saying, for people to be adopted in. But I remember the whole idea of uh, young kids coming to our house, and they would sit at our table like they were strangers, okay? And uh, um, can I have another piece of bread, or, or should I touch this, or should I sit there? And my mother would say, you're at home, okay? You don't have to ask permission, okay? If you want something out of the refrigerator, open the refrigerator. And after a while, they would get this sense, oh, we belong here, okay? We have family privileges. We can, we can come in and get a snack out of the cookie jar. You know, we can uh, turn on the TV if we want to because we're at home. And that's what God wants us to feel as adopted ones, okay? We don't have to be scared, of, afraid of God, you know, and afraid of what's gonna happen if we say or do or say the wrong thing. Oh my God, I'm not saved anymore. I just, you know, had a fight with somebody, you know, and you know, now I know God is gonna punish me. You know, he's gonna strike me with lightning. He is ready to forgive you. He's ready to embrace you. He's your daddy, okay? And in the same way, the church should be a place. When we talk about adopting people in, the, peop the church should be a place where people come in and feel welcome. Yeah. They can come in and be Chinese and nobody like, ooh, wow, Chinese person. Or they come in and they can be uh, um, uh, Hispanic or, or, uh, or, or somebody who just escaped from Venezuela, okay? They're like, oh, well, can I see your papers, please? You know, we don't know if you belong here. No, God wants us to have the spirit of adoption means that you are welcomed in, that you should be a, feel comfortable. Take off your shoes, relax, okay? Uh, and, and just be a part of the family. But let me just say this, but in order for people to have that kind of create that kind of atmosphere for people we have to there has to be something that happens uh, within that church setting within that church family and so uh, Pastor Chuck has uh, written uh, that people into uh, adopting people into the family of God through love service and sacrifice okay love service and sacrifice now this is the whole idea we cannot love people. We cannot love people unless we have a heart to love people. You, you need a new heart. You need a new heart. You want to welcome people in? You want people to be a part of your family? Yeah, a lot of times what we, who we are before we are uh, reconciled to Christ and renovated by Christ, you know, he has to do something in our hearts, yeah. and that is a process. Now, this is the scripture. This is the key scripture that uh, my, um, my covering, Pastor Chuck, has given me. Ezekiel 36, 26. You want, to, you want, you want this scripture? Uh, it says, I will give you a new heart yeah. and put a new spirit in you. I will remove you from you, your old heart, your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Amen. That is the process that God wants to bring us into. That is the gift that salvation offers us. 
that whatever brokenness in our heart, whatever stoniness in our heart, whatever uh, uh, wickedness in our heart, whatever's in our unforgiveness in our heart, those are the things that God says under my word in the church. And I'm, ta- I'm, I'm not talking about just uh, a building. I'm talking about the family of the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the family of the church. That when they welcome you in, and, and I still remember those little children who used to come to our house because their parents were fighting and they got left or abandoned. I had a lady ask me, I'll never forget, I was about 16 years old, and she asked me uh, to babysit her little boy, Jeffrey. I mean, I'll never forget his name. And uh, she said, I'm just going to bring you some things. And she, she worked a night shift at a hospital, and she said, I'm going to bring you some things. And I'm a little portable crib so I have a place to sleep and we saw her three years later okay so uh, and, but you watch and I watch that baby become so uncomfortable well, well what's happening to me but so we had to give him that extra love okay so that that abandonment that happened in his life you know nine years old I mean nine months old waiting for his mother to come back you know and she didn't come back so we had to just get that extra love because we knew that even though he was a baby that what was happening in his heart you know was was creating that whole sense of abandonment that whole sense of rejection you know and a lot of us suffer that from a very very early age so we come to the church we come in with these broken hearts we come in with these stony hearts. We come in with wicked hearts, okay? And I think when I came in, I had a little bit of all of it, okay? A little bit of all, and maybe some of you have, okay? But we come in, and he says, no. He says, I want to put a new heart and a new spirit in you. Now, watch this. This is the church. This is the church that God wants to create. 2 Corinthians 3 and 2. It says, you yourselves, please come on, read with me. Open this up because y'all are going to need this. You need to understand what God is doing in this house. Okay, where's your Bibles? Oh, come on. What? You mean to tell me you don't have a weapon on you? You don't have a sword? Come on, get, get your Bibles. Get your Bibles out. Get, get your phone out. Get something out, okay? Because uh, let me tell you something. I'm a teacher. Okay, I, I am a teacher. I teach at two Bible colleges, okay? So I am a certified legal teacher. And I know this, that when you talk to people, it only imprints on the mind once. When people read what you are saying, it imprints on the mind twice. If they write down what you're saying, it imprints on the mind three times. If they go out and share what they've heard, it imprints on the mind four times, and it becomes a part of their own spirit. So this is why it's important for you to not just to listen to the word because you'll go back outside and say, oh, man, she was really good. That was a really good word. What did she say? Uh, I, I don't remember, but it was just really good. And that's, what, that's, that, that's my assignment as a teacher, to make sure that what I'm saying, not with just what I'm saying, you know, because this is not about me. This is about the word of God, okay? This is about your heart being transformed. And so uh, if, when, if I'm teaching you, I want this to stay with you because I want the word of God through me to transform you, okay? Because it's important how this house adopts people in, okay? So now that I've spanked you, Okay, and because and, I want you to understand where I'm coming from. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 3 and 2. 
In fact, read it for me out loud. That's what they used to do in the old Baptist colored church where black people used to go. Read. That's what they would say. Read. Somebody, would, do, you, do you remember? Anybody know? No. Do, uh, anybody remember coming to church like that where they would make somebody stand up and read the word? I uh, Charles, you, you remember that? Remember that? Okay. Somebody read the word. What does it say? First Corinthians, Second Corinthians 3 and 2. Come on. Read. Read. Read nice and loud. You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. Verse 3. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Okay, it says you are the letter. You are the one that they see. Whatever God is trying to say to you and through people through this book, if it's not in you, you understand what I'm saying? It says you are the letter. You are the word. Whatever has been transferred from this word into your heart, that's what people see. Write this down. People respond to what they see in your heart. Amen. People respond, write this down, to what they see in my heart. They're not interested in how, how good the praise team is. They're not interested in how nice the chairs are. And I'm telling you, all that's nice, and this is like a really nice sanctuary, okay? It really is. You know what people are going to respond to? You know what they're going to come back to? You know why they're going to be a part of you? People respond to what they see in my heart. I don't care how good I preach. If I walk outside of that door and walk past you and don't ask you how you're doing, I don't give you a hug. I'm not interested in what's going on in your health or in your family or your children, your finances. I don't even want to talk about that. Hey, I got mine. Bye. See you, Felicia. But do you understand what I'm saying? People respond to what they see written in your heart. And so that is what God is saying in his word in Ezekiel. He says, I will give you a new heart, a new heart, not one of stone where you can't feel anything, but one of flesh where you're sensitive. But how are you doing? I'm fine. Are you really? Because my heart, are you, are you sure you're okay? You're looking people in the eyes. Because people like to say, I'm fine. Because, you know, they figure you ain't really interested in what's going on in my life, okay? So as far as you're concerned, I'm fine, okay? But if I have a relationship with you, and I say, hey, girl, how you doing? And you just lay your head on my shoulder, and I say, yeah, I know. You see what I'm saying? She knows my heart, and I know her heart. And that's what people need. People come into this place sometimes. They've had such a hard week. They're facing so many challenges. And they feel like they're just coming and they sit down. Nobody cares. Nobody knows. Nobody can help. Nobody can do anything. So I'm just going to sit here and just hope I get a little bit of a feel better. Okay? Because if I don't get anything, then what's the point of me coming back? Mm -hmm. But when you come in and you feel loved, and you feel embraced, and you feel like somebody really cares, and not only cares in here, but if they, they got to go with you out there. Yeah. You know, they got me and my husband, um, I'll never forget, we had a friend, and we were watching television one night, and it was about 10 o'clock at night, and his friend was in the hospital, and uh, it was a brother in our church, and uh, Charles says, I think I'm going to go uh, 
and see, uh, see him. And I said, it's 10 o'clock, visiting hours are over. And he said, hmm, I think I'm gonna go anyway. So he went down to the hospital and because he has his ministry, I don't even think they checked you. I think they just, they didn't even check. He just walked in and walked down to the room. And his friend was lying in the hospital bed and Charles said, well, how are you doing? And he says, oh, he says, I'm tired. I'm just, you know, I don't know. And I don't know, did you just pull the covers back or something? Bed and saw blood everywhere. And he was bleeding out. And so Charles went to the desk. He says, you got to come real quick. Well, we have to call the doctor. He says, you don't understand. This man is bleeding to death. And he says, and if you don't call, and he's in the hospital. He said, if you, it was a rest home line. He says, if you don't call, I'm going to call an ambulance to your hospital, okay? And so they, they went in and saw that he was bleeding. And he went into cardiac arrest on the way to the hospital. He had lost so much blood. And fortunately, they revived him. But because Charles carried this brother in his heart, he's sitting in his living room watching TV, and God says, go say about him. So it's not just limited to what we do in here. If we're gonna be a family, we have to be a family in here, and we have to be a family out there, and anywhere that you are facing any situation that, you know, hey, your kid's going to college, you know, and they can't go back this semester because they can't afford the books. Hey, come on. That you, this is your family, buy him some books. If everybody throws him $5, you can get a half a book, you know. I mean, these books cost so much money, it's not even funny, you have to have a fundraiser, okay? But you get the point of what I'm saying. It's not just in here, but we form relationships. If you're going to adopt a person and be a part of the family, it's about relationships. And it begins with what is in your heart, okay? Now, I want, I want to just give you an anatomy lesson real quick, anatomy lesson, the heart. The heart is one organ, I'm talking about the physical heart, what's in your chest. The heart is one organ, but it has four compartments, four square, okay? All right. It is one organ, but it has four compartments, okay? On the right side of the heart is the upper chamber, is known as the atrium, and the lower chamber is known as the ventricle. Okay, so you have this right atrium and a right ventricle. And what happens, all of the blood that is oxygen deprived, all the blood that is wasted and weak and, 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 and can't do anything to your heart, enters through the right side of the heart, in through the atrium and down into the ventricle. And it's been collected for cleansing. And then it goes out of that ventricle and up through order into the lungs. And in the lungs, you take a deep breath and all this new oxygen. And remember, you know, when it comes in the right, they call that the blue blood, all right? Because it's oxygen deprived. And that's what it means when it says you have the blues, okay? Did you know that? That's what the blues are, just down, weak, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, sad because you're deprived in some way. So you have the blues. That's the blues. And it goes through the lungs, and in the lungs, you're exhaling and you're inhaling, and that life force, that life force from God, that we, we call it 
oxygen, but it is the breath of God refreshing and restoring us. It happens in the lungs. And then the blood is pumped back into the left side of the heart, into the left atrium, and down into the left ventricle, and then it is distributed through the body. And the body is refreshed, renewed, restored, all the nutrients, all the oxygen, everything it needs has come because, and every time that heart moves in and out, it's pumping. <laughs> you know what? This is so cute. The, the name of the sound that your heart makes when the left, right, right ventricle pumps and the left, it's called a love dove. Love dove, love dove, love dove. That's the medical term. So when you're talking about being lovey dovey, <laughs> you're talking about a heart. Okay, you ever heard that term? Some of you youngers might know about lovey-dovey, so they really lovey-dovey. You know, that's the sound of the heart beating. Now, when that heart is hardened, what's that disease called? When the heart is like stone. It's called, come on, somebody, no, no, hardening of the what? Hardening of the arteries. You got a plaque buildup. You got a plaque buildup. You got something built up in you that is keeping that blood from flowing and taking care of the body. Okay? Or you, you may have another, another condition in the body. You have a, a blockage in your body. Sometimes you have a weak heart muscle. And the ability for the muscle to contract and go in and out and to beat is just so weak, okay, that it can't meet the needs of the body. So when the church or the body or the heart has a weakness in it, okay, and it's not strong, it cannot nourish the body, okay? There's some other diseases of the heart, but we kind of know what they are. But if the heart gets weak, or if it gets too blocked and it can't be unblocked, then you need what? A heart transplant. You need a new heart because the one that you have is not functioning. Now, let me just say this. The church is also like the heart. The heart of the church has four chambers, okay, as in a four square, okay? And what, what, is that, what does that four represent? The four represents stability, it represents order, strength, and solid foundation. That's what the number four is symbolic of. In numerology, in the Bible numbers, if you have number, what is it? Strength, stability, okay? It is a foundation. We have what? Four seasons, we have four directions, north, east, south, and west. Yeah. What else? We have four gospels. So that is the four that we need to teach. We have four wheels on our car. We have four legs on our chairs. We have four legs on our table. It is to stabilize, okay? And so the church, the church, uh, um, the heart of the church is, should have four chambers just like the heart in your chest. Four chambers. What are those four chambers? I'm so glad you asked. Anybody want to know what those four chambers are that makes the heart function? Okay. Love. That's what he says. He says the adoption of people into the family of God through love. Okay. Okay. So uh, love. What is in your heart will be reflected in your actions. 
So if you, we say we love people, but there's nothing to show that we love people. You understand what I'm saying? Then, then, because love is not what we say. Love is, can I have a Kleenex? It's what we do. Now, Matthew 22, um, 22, 36, 40. Where's my reader? Read it. Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There you go. You can stop right there. Amen. So you can say, listen, this is what I don't understand about people. How can you say that you love a God that you've never seen and not love your brother? and not love people. How can you divide yourself against economic lines? Oh, they're poor. I don't want anything to do it. How can we, how can we divide ourselves against, around racial lines when we all had the same issues, we all had the same needs, we all had the same desires? You understand what I'm saying? And call ourselves a believer. Now, I can understand, you're in the world, you can hate anybody you want to hate. You can hate Jewish people, you can hate Spanish people, you know, and the reason I don't like you, you can be Archie Bunker. Anybody remember Archie Bunker? Okay, he just hated everybody, okay? (laughs) Everybody wasn't like him, okay? You know, that's okay if you're out there. I understand it, I get it. But the greatest commandment for believers is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And I mean, if this is my purse right here, and I love the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind, and it's bulging, it's full out, what else do I have room for to put in here? It's full. Do you understand what I mean? Oh, I got another little space over here. Love thy neighbor just for my neighbor. And then I can't hold anymore. If you love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, your mind. He said, and the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. What, 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 how, do I, how do I, but how do I do that? What, is, what does that look like? Does, does it just have a good feeling toward them? I think it's more than that. We have a neighbor that just uh, stepped on a nail and uh, ended up in the hospital. And uh, they had to take her leg off. And uh, so, but the guy across the street, he's a builder. He builds everything around his house. My husband goes across and says, hey, Nate, we got to build her a ramp so she can get in and out. She can't cook now. Charles said, what are you cooking? I said, I got to make some food to take next door. You know, she, she can't get in the kitchen. And her kids aren't all the way around. So what I'm trying to say, when he says, love thy neighbor as yourself, wouldn't you want somebody to do that for you? Yeah. And you're going to wor- worry about, well, I don't know about them people over there, you know. Ooh. Come on. You've got to get past. When, the, when your heart is full of the love of God, you've got the greatest drug operating in you. You're so high. Yeah. You should be higher than high. You should not even know what you're doing. You're so high. You understand what I'm saying? Just, I just love him anyway, because the love of God is in me. I'm going to try to finish up, okay? I know y'all are ready to go home, ready to go eat. 
Number two, Pastor Chuck says, adopting people through love and through service. Service. Now, I want you to listen to this about serving. This is some good stuff, because this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. The one being, being served receives a blessing. Right? If you serve somebody, that person is going to be blessed with this, what the Lord says. But the one serving receives a reward from God. You should be running. You should be running to serve. Not only are you blessing somebody, but God says, I'll reward you. Look what it says in, uh, in uh, 1 Peter 4 and 10. I'll read it. I'll give you a break. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. This is 1 Peter 4 and 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. Now, Psalms 41 and 1. Yeah. Read that one. And read it in the living if you can. What translation you have? Uh, King James, the Living Translation. Give me a Living Translation. 4101, you need to underline this. You need to red mark this. You need to keep this because this is a blessing. This is how my husband and I have been blessed. Psalms 4101. Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. Oh, the joy of those, and my translation says, who considers the helpless. For the Lord will deliver them in time of trouble. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, I, um, my background is in songwriting, and I wrote for a company called Motown Records. I don't know if y'all ever heard of that. But, um, but um, and, it, and it was a long time ago, far, far away. But anyway, my husband and I started a program in Watts, and our goal was to supply tennis shoes uh, for underprivileged children in the Watts community. And so God blessed us. He opened doors. We talked to Shaquille O'Neal. He opened his factory up and gave us tennis shoes. Then we talked to uh, uh, ASIC shoes, and they gave us 500 pairs, you know. So here we are out there with truckloads of shoes, you know, uh, giving kids school shoes um, to go back to school, okay? And, uh, and then we had the Children's Hospital come down because uh, they've closed down all the medical facilities in South Central. A few of them are starting to open up again, but just to get the kids physicals and eye exams and, uh, uh, and, and that kind of thing. And we, we were doing a lot of things like that. So one morning, <laughs> we're lying in bed one morning, one, one morning tired, you know, from being in that community and being in that area. And uh, there's a special delivery package, and it's a, it's a box, okay? A big old square box. And so Charles, and he says, well, now my husband, he's, he's a prayer fanatic, okay? So I'll just <laughs> tell you that, okay? That's the prayer word right there. And I says, let's see what's in the box. It had my name on it. He says, we haven't done our morning devotion yet. I'm like, I want to see what's in that box, okay? So he says, no, so anyway, we do our morning devotion and all that kind of stuff, and we open the box. And inside the box, there are reams and reams of paper. I'm talking about enough to put in a box, not in an envelope, in a box, okay? Reams and reams and reams of paper. And I'm looking at these reams of paper, and these are uh, music that's been played here, music's been played there, music's been played. And on the top of the box was a check. And I looked at the check, and it said, 
This is for undiscovered back royalties from 1990 or 1985, 1990, some, I mean, way back in history, okay? And so I says, oh my God, I said, they sent me a check, look, for $6,700, $6,700, six, I said, oh God, I said, we can take a vacation or do something. And Charles looked at, he says, oh, what are you, blind? This is $69,000, okay? I couldn't, my mind wouldn't even let me see. You know what I mean? Imagine if somebody would send me a check for $69,000 out of the blue, out of nowhere, for something to happen 20 years ago. But what I'm saying is that I'm, it's not even always about, I'm just saying in that particular situation, it was a financial blessing, you know, that we labored in. But we can't always, we can't always measure things in finances. Because my husband was facing surgery. They told him, the doctor told him, we would take him to the doctor. And the doctor said, you, you need two back surgeries. You've got a bulging disc, and then you've got deterioration in the F5, 3, 4, 2, and 1, and 0, and whatnot. You know, and we're going to have to do all these surgeries, as the neurosurgeon said. So when we got outside, Charles was like all frowned up and whatnot. And I said, wow, that was a great visit. And Charles said, where? What do you mean that was a great visit? I said, because we know we ain't going back there. So, so we can just eliminate him, okay? But the point is that, you know, we prayed. And I wish I had this video to show you. Because he would wake up in the middle of the night. Now, this man could not even sit up in the bed, okay? His back had gotten so bad, okay? I mean, he had to walk up by the bed, the urine, you know, the, the water and food. I had to bring stuff. And I kid you not, Pastor Chuck, he woke up one night about four in the morning, jumped out of bed and ran around the room and said, praise God, I'm healed, and got back in the bed. And I woke him up. I said, are you okay? He says, what? I said, you got up and ran around. No, I didn't. I did no such thing. I said, yes, you did. So the next night, we go to sleep. And the next morning, he's in bed, can't move. Next night, we go to sleep. About three or four o'clock in the morning, he jumps up, hallelujah, hallelujah, I'm saved, hallelujah, I'm healed, hallelujah. He gets back in bed, I said, Charles, he did it again. I did not, I ought to know if I woke up, uh, I said, maybe it's the medication, uh, and you know. So I got my iPad out, I said, if he jumps up again, I'm filming this, and sure enough, he jumped up and I took my iPad, because he did not believe it, okay? So we went to a new doctor, and the new doctor said to us, he says, well, I think this is, this, I never, we've never seen this doctor before in our lives. He says, I think we need to see what God wants to do. Charles says, oh, I'm in the right place now, okay? That was how many years ago, maybe five years ago, has it been? Five years ago, one, uh, one epidural, and he was back on his feet doing his thing, three epidural shots, and he's fine. No, hey, listen, I'm trying to tell you, there is a scripture. He was on a walker and on a cane, 
okay? And we're in the gym now, okay, on the treadmill, on the equipment. And if you're 65 years old, you can go to the gym for free under Silver Sneakers. Call your insurance company. They will give you a free gym, and you need to go because you've got to serve God your whole life. You can't get to the place where you're saying, I'm too weak. You know what we pray every day? Psalm uh, 92, what is it, verse 15? He says, Lord, make us fresh and flourishing. Allow us to bear fruit in our old age to show that you are righteous, you are upright, that you are rock, and there's no unrighteous in you. So we pray for fresh and flourishing every day. There's no excuse for you to say, well, you know, you know, my, my memory ain't too good. Well, whatever you can remember to do, remember and do that, okay? <laughs> but don't give up. Serving is there is a reward in serving. Then it comes sacrifice. Luke 6.38 says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run over, and pouring into your lap. For what, and whatever measure you use when you sacrifice, make you make a sacrifice, it will be measured back to you. I could tell you so many stories about that, but it would take all day, and I'm not going to do it. But I'm going to add one to Pastor Chuck's, um, he says adopting people into the family of God through love, service, and sacrifice, but I believe the church is a four square. I believe that it has four chambers. And so I want to add this one. If you're going to adopt people into the family of God, not only do you need to love them, to serve them, and to be willing to make sacrifices, but all of this means nothing without holiness. Because let me tell you, the world serves people. The world will make sacrifices. But we have to know that this is not coming from us. It is coming from God. Ephesians 4.24 says this, um, and and you want to read it. You got got my read? Ephesians 4.24. says this, while she's looking for 4.24. 4.23 says, it says, take off. The old stuff. The old man, your old nature, your old attitude. Take it off. And what does it say in 424? 424? Yes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Your new nature is holy. What does it mean to be holy? What does it mean? It means this. Have you ever gone to a restaurant? And you have a glass sitting on your table. And you look and you see a little speck on the inside. What do you say to your waiter? Huh? When he comes to pour water in there. Don't pour. Don't pour why? I got a speck in my glass. A little tiny speck. A little smudge. I don't want it. And when God wants to pour his power into you, What does he see when he holds you up? Because holiness means that you become a vessel where God can pour in his power. And if you are unclean and unholy, God says, no, bring me another vessel. When you worship God and you're on the worship team and you're on the music and whatnot, you, 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 can, you can come and be unclean and worship God. But guess what you're passing on to the people? Your uncleanness. 
And that's what's happening in so many churches. You have people, worship teams and musicians that are living in it. I'm just telling you the truth. I mean, you can, you can rebuke me outside. But I just see too much nonsense going on from the pulpit with preachers. And what they're pouring into the people is unclean because they're unholy. We need holy vessels. And holy is not what you do in public. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's what you do when nobody's looking. And I'll tell you, I have to repent all the time. Because my husband says, if you take another grape off that fruit bin and you didn't pay for it, he says, I'm going to act like I'm not even with you. I don't know you. You didn't pay for that. I'm like, it's just a grape. But But what I'm saying is, it's what we do in private. The decisions that we make that make us clean or unclean. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah, I'm close. Isaiah 57, 7, and 8. I want you to read this with me because this is so good. It says, isn't this not the fast that I've called? We want to talk about holiness. You know what holiness looks like? It says, to... Share your food with the hungry to provide the poor and wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked to clothe them and not take away from your own flesh and blood, not turn away your own flesh and blood. It says when you do these things, then your light shall shine forth. They will see your light all over this city that your light will shine forth like the dawn and your healing. You, you want healing? You want to know why you're not healed? Why you're not seeing love when healed, healed? Come on. It's there for you. It says when you remember others, God will remember you. We're a witness. It says then your healing will quickly appear, quickly appear. Then your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall protect you from behind. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you for a new heart. A heart, Lord, that can beat for you. A heart, Lord, that can take in the old and the weary and turn it into something clean and fresh that can nourish the entire body. I pray for this leadership, Father. I pray for Charles. I pray for Marianne. I pray for all their elders, deacons, trustees, and, and, and Charles Jr., Father. Amen. Lord, that you would just continue to strengthen their hearts. Please. And if you find any defect, Father, I pray, Lord, for healing of the hearts, Lord. Yes. Father, that they may welcome in strangers, Father. That they may begin to open their hearts, the heart of this church, Lord to receive those, Lord, who are so desperate to be loved, to be accepted, Father, to find, Lord, a family. There's so many people that have no family, no spiritual family. So bless this house, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.